In August 1975, I was reading a book in the night, and the Holy Spirit of God said to me, Joan, you know all those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. It was like I was struck by a thunderbolt of lightning. Sins. I thought they were mistakes, was my reaction. How did the Holy Spirit speak this to me? He simply brought it in the form of a thought to my mind. Joan, you know all those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. Up to that point, I thought I was a Christian. I went forward at 15. I was baptized at a church. But my life did not change. After I heard these words from the Holy Spirit, my life changed. Why? Because it is the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin. I knew what he was saying was correct. I'd been going in my own ambitions, my own thinking, my own way from the time I was born until God spoke to me in 1975. I was approximately 38. I had been what I thought was a Christian since I was 15. But the minute he spoke this to me, I knew I wasn't a Christian. At that time, I was recovering from an operation, and I was staying in the home of my best friend and her husband. As I walked past Donna that morning, I casually said, Oh, by the way, Donna, I don't believe I was a Christian until now. And I just kept walking on. She said, Joni, what did you just say? So I turned around and I said, I don't think I was a Christian until now. I thought I was a Christian, but something happened last night, and now I think I am a Christian. And she was, she, Donna had been raised Baptist. She began crying and was very emotional and wanted to know what had happened. So I told her. It never occurs to an unbeliever before we're born again. We don't ever think about people being excited when we become a Christian. It never occurred to me that anybody would care until after I was born again. And then, of course, I care very much when somebody has a born-again experience and tells me about it. The working of God, when we believe the Word of God, we work the works of God. Well, I believed what I heard that night. I believed that all those mistakes were really sin. I believed I was then born again, given the Spirit of God, and all through this recording today, you're going to hear one example after another of the word coming and believing and doing it. That's what God told me to do with this recording. Just write some of the examples you've had in believing. For this is the work of God that you believe on him, the word, whom he hath sent. So I was born again. A few years later, I went to visit my mother in the city where she lived. I opened the cabinet doors in the kitchen, and I saw a set of Zodiac mugs, which I had given to my mother before I was born again. My mother had always loved horoscopes. She was not a Christian, never went to church. We didn't have Bibles in the house when I grew up. 
But she would go every month to the drugstore and purchase the monthly horoscope magazine, and she would read my horoscope to me most days, almost every day of the week, before I went off to school when I was a child. My mother was sitting there watching me while I had the kitchen cabinet door open. I didn't say a word to her. I just got a plastic garbage bag and began putting those horoscope mugs into the garbage bag. Then my mother came alive, and she said, What are you doing? And then she said, I want to keep those. You gave those to me. I didn't say a word. I just kept filling the garbage bag. I walked past her with the garbage bag, went to the alley, broke the mugs in the dumpster, not wanting anyone else to find them and use them, and just left them in the dumpster. I came back into the house. I didn't say a word. I went to my bedroom. I got a Bible. I came in and opened the Bible and read Deuteronomy 18, starting at verse 9. I read it aloud to my mother. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. Then I closed the Bible and just sat there. For a few moments, no one said anything. After maybe about a minute, my mother said, Well, I guess we'd better not do that anymore. She was born again. How do you get born again? You agree with God. The Holy Spirit speaks. You hear what he says, and you agree, and you're changed. When I went back to Dallas, my uncle wrote me and said, Your mother has changed. She's really changed. That is what it's all about, change. It's not that we try to change, necessarily. We are changed. We are born again by the Spirit of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, or maybe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me find it, and I will we'll read it. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's what happens when we're born again. If we are in Christ and have had an experience with the Holy Spirit, as I have described in these two examples, old things are passed away. All things are become new. After I was born again, at the time I was born again, I owned a business in Dallas, a small business. And sometimes I would say something, and then I would think, who said that? Because I was so different inside after I was born again that I didn't even recognize that I was the one speaking because I was so dramatically changed from what I had been before. <laughs> I was just looking up Second Thessalonians to see if there was a chapter 5. There is not. So, <laughs> see, when I record something, 
I go by the Holy Spirit and what he wants me to say, and he just will tell me, a, remind me of a verse of scripture, but I don't usually have the, like, even the book of the verse of scripture or even the verse. I just hear the scripture. And then I speak that. That's the way God taught me to speak is by what the Holy Spirit gives me to say. Most of the time, I don't have things written out. I'm following the Spirit of God in the examples in saying them in the order in which I hear them. Anyway, change comes when we're born again. A man who lived across the street from me in Lubbock, Texas, when I lived there, told me about an experience he had. He said he had always hated his stepmother. For years he hated his stepmother. One day he just walked out on the porch and sat down, and all of a sudden something happened. He didn't hate her anymore. He was born again. God changed him. Being born again is not following, like I used to give away four spiritual laws pamphlet, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I used to give it away. But it is God who reaches us as he wills and by what he wills. After I was born again, I called a friend of mine who lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I lived in Dallas, Texas. I called her and I said, Maya, something's happened to me and I just can't tell you this over the phone, but something really big has happened to me, something really important. Maya was a rich young socialite. I met her through the Indian arts business because she was the girlfriend of Nathan Youngblood at that time. And Nathan was a famous, became a famous potter. His mother, Mellow, Mellow Youngblood, was my friend. And Nathan was a teenager at the time. And Nathan and his sister, um, who's also now a famous potter, Nancy Youngblood, um, we traveled together to Indian shows and she took their pottery and I helped them at the shows. Well, Mella often went with us, so I knew her real well. Anyway, I said, I just can't tell you over the phone. And she, she said, oh, I'll just fly down there and you can talk to me. So she flew to, to uh, Dallas and we went to dinner and I said, she said, well, tell me what happened. And I said, all right. And I told her. And then she said, oh, I want that to happen to me. I want to have that happen to me. And at that time, all I knew were the four spiritual laws. I didn't know salvation was of God. I didn't know any of the things that I know now. And I said to Maya, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try it. Repeat this after me. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So she repeated it. And I don't know, I may have said one or two other things to, to Maya. And then after, after we did those things, I looked at her and I said, Congratulations, you're now a Christian, I think. <laughs> well, of course, looking back on it, I, I, God might have saved her. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, oh, that's not the way you approach salvation. <laughs> I had another young friend um, who he worked on my sound equipment and sold me most of my sound equipment. David told me this story. He said he walked out on his porch one day and something happened. And he said, I didn't think much about it at the time, but something happened to me and I was changed. Now, usually we'll have a word of God that comes to us such as I have described in the previous examples. Or we'll be shown hatred is no good. And all of a sudden the power is there to cause us to forgive the person. 
But with David, his story was he was just changed. David got ALS, the disease ALS. I met him a month before he was diagnosed with ALS. I prayed, of course, that God would heal him. We don't know the will of God and what he's going to do unless God shows us his will. David's church was praying for him. And during that time, David became totally paralyzed. Well, that disease is terrible. It attacks you in one part of your body, and that goes completely paralyzed. And then it moves to another. David was totally paralyzed when I had this dream. David played golf, and he, of course he couldn't play after he was paralyzed. I know it wasn't a dream. It was an open vision. Because very often God will give me open visions. I see, a, see them as an outlines on the wall. And I saw this. David was on a golf course, and he was totally healed. And he was jumping up and down and was so excited. And he was waving his arms like to say, Come on, join me. This is great. A young man from the church he attended was visiting me. And I said, I had this vision about David. And I told him this vision. And Clay said to me, Don't you think that means David's going to be healed? And I said, No. David is dying, but he's, he's okay spiritually. He died approximately two days later. But I knew he was okay spiritually. That's all that matters. You hear a rich, famous man who's died or a woman who's died or a great actress or actor, and I always think, but where are you now? When the newscasters are telling about the death of this famous person and how great this person was and the great works that person did on this earth, I always think the same thing. But where are you now? For the only thing that matters is being born again. And the only thing that matters is following the Holy Spirit of God doing those things that he shows you to do day by day, year by year, as long as God leaves you on the earth to the end of your life on this earth. That is all that matters. What do you do to work the works of God? You believe the word that comes down from heaven. You believe the word that God gives you by his spirit. Now, more examples on this subject. In 1977, I was scheduled to testify at a court trial. And I heard from God by His Spirit a thought brought to my mind, Don't testify. When you believe it is God speaking to you, you do what it says. I told my lawyer that I was not going to be able to testify. I even told the lawyer he might not want to represent me because I was not going to be able to testify. He said he thought we would win the case because Flo, who was a woman who worked for me, had witnessed the situation and she would testify. When you are given a word from God... Often persecution comes to try to steal that word, to try to get you to go another direction. And the persecution very often comes through they of your own household. And that's exactly what happened to me in this situation. When Flo learned that I would not be testifying, she became very angry and said, now, all of the burden is on me since you won't testify. I replied, what can I do? 
I believe God has told me not to testify. The next thing that happened is the man that I was dating said, Joan, you aren't doing this woman any good by not testifying. I replied, I'm not trying to do her any good. I believe God told me not to testify, so I can't testify. Then during the court trial, my lawyer came to me and said Flo's testimony wasn't as strong as I would have liked it to be. But if you will testify, we will win this case. So I replied, I'll see. At the recess of the court trial, I went into the ladies' room and began praying. And I said to God, what did you want me to do? And I heard, don't testify. So I went back into the courtroom and the lawyer looked at me and I just shook my head no. The court trial continued for another half day. We had chosen to have the judge try the case rather than to have a jury. It was such a low-level court trial that we were able to do that. It was my choice, and my lawyer recommended that I have a judge try the case. At the end of the second day of the trial, I was acquitted. It was over. And I did not testify. Sometimes doing what you've heard to do from God takes probably endurance to continue. During the time I owned my business, and this happened in about 1978, my business was in American Indian arts. I sold jewelry and pottery, rugs. I never sold Kachina dolls because I found out that had to do with the Indian religion, so I wouldn't handle those. During this time, a man came to Dallas and would rent a motel room and sell Indian arts. Indian arts were at the peak of their worldwide, what I call it, attention and the period of 1970s. So it was very popular. And items sold and money was made, so that brought in disreputable people. The Dallas Morning News came to me during that time and asked me if I would write a an article for them telling how people could be safe in buying American Indian arts because there were so many disreputable people coming to town, traveling salesman-type people, renting motel rooms, and selling fake Indian arts, fake turquoise and manufactured Indian arts. So the Dallas News wanted to do an article on the subject. I wrote the article, and one thing I said in the article is be very, very careful about the sales at motels because if a price has been lowered by a large percentage, such as 70%, it makes you wonder how much the, they marked it up in order to lower the price. So be careful with sales. And I listed a whole bunch of other things you had to watch for to protect yourself in this area. A few days later, a little fat man came into my, a little short fat man, came into my shop and he asked to see me. The first thing I noticed about him is on his tie, he was wearing a pair of handcuffs. His tie clasp for handcuffs. And he said to me, Little lady, do you know, and he told me the name of this man, and I said, no, sir, I don't know him. And he says, well, he knows you. He's suing you for a million dollars. 
And this man gave me court papers declaring uh, the lawsuit. During that time, I, I knew nothing about law, but I found out one thing. They don't have to have any grounds, really, to sue you, to file a lawsuit against you. And I, I began praying a lot about that, that God would protect me. So this man is suing me for a million dollars. I, I probably didn't have more than $500 cash, period. But I just took the papers and threw them over on the counter in my office because I thought, well, this is ridiculous. About a week later, I realized if I don't do something to answer this, that man can take all of my merchandise from me, get a judgment against me, and take what I have in merchandise. So I called a lawyer, and he began representing me. And as happens with court trials, it drug on and on and on for weeks. And my lawyer would file some kind of paper, and then I would get a bill to pay the lawyer, and then he'd file another paper, and then I'd get another bill to pay the lawyer, my lawyer. If it continued that way, I knew I was going to end up in debt. And God had shown me when I was born again, get out of debt and stay out of debt. And God had helped me to get out of debt. And I had, I was out of debt at the time this happened and have been for the next 40 years. So I was out of debt, but if I continued with these bills from this lawyer, it was going to put me back in, de in debt, and I knew that wasn't the will of God. One day, I was reading the Bible, and a scripture just jumped out at me. It was the Holy Spirit showing me this scripture. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me saith the Lord I began to reason out this scripture no weapon that's formed against me will prosper because I belong to God. Well, now I do belong to God. I did belong to God at the time this happened. I was a new Christian. So that promise in the Bible had to apply to me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Since this weapon formed against me, this lawsuit is a weapon formed against me, it can't prosper according to what the Bible says. So why am I paying a lawyer to represent me in court? At that moment, I decided to dismiss my lawyer and go to court without any human legal counsel. But I was a very new Christian, and I didn't know much about Bible or following God I didn't even know about the Holy Spirit at that time. I certainly didn't know I was called as a minister. But I had had other experiences believing God over Scripture. But I thought it might be safer if I would make an appointment and talk this over with my pastor. En route to the appointment... I was praying for the pastor, for God to give pastor wisdom. I had been living by another scripture, James 1, 5. If any of you lacked wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. I had lived by that for the past two years since I had been a Christian. So I prayed for God to give my pastor wisdom. When I got to the appointment and I explained to him what was happening, 
and I explained my plan. The pastor said, quote, Joan, I perceive you have faith to handle this situation this way, end quote. So I had the confirmation from God that I needed on the subject to dismiss the attorney, which was the next step I took. I called Gordon, and I told him what I was going to do. I told him the scripture. I said, I am a Christian. This applies to me. And I said, Gordon, these legal fees are eating up my business, and I will be back in debt if I have to continue this way, but I don't have to continue this way because here's a promise in the Bible that applies to me. Gordon said to me, Joan, you don't know how evil these courts are today. You can't do this. He said, we're willing to work with you at the law firm. It will only take about $10,000 more to try your case. I shouted, $10,000 more? Like I said, I probably had 500 at the time the lawsuit was filed against me. I said, $10,000 more? Gordon, stop. Don't do anything else. I dismissed the attorney. A week later, Gordon came back to see me. He came to my shop to see me. And he said, Joan, we have decided at the law firm to try your case without any further legal fees to you. For free, we're going to try your case. But the thing that bothered me with Gordon's statement is I didn't hear anything about God in that statement. I didn't hear him say, God has shown us to help you. He didn't say that. He said, we have decided to try your case without any further legal fees. So I said to Gordon, well, I'm going to have to get back with you on this one. He left the business. I told him I'd call him. I asked God what he wanted me to do. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of a scripture to show me what God wanted me to do. It's in Genesis chapter 14, verses 21 through 23. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I have made Abraham rich. I knew God was showing me, turn down that free legal service. So I called Gordon and told him, I can't accept the free legal service. During the next three or four weeks, between that point and the time the actual trial was scheduled to take place in the courts, God gave me many scriptures by bringing them to my mind by the Holy Spirit. I would write each of those scriptures down and think about it during the day. When several scriptures accumulated, I took those scriptures and put recorded them on a cassette tape, filled the front side and the back side of the tape. When I went to bed at night, I turned the tape recorder on to play the scriptures. When I woke up in the middle of the night, I would turn I would turn the tape over and turn the scriptures on again and fall asleep to scripture 
And I did this for the entire time, about four weeks till the trial was scheduled. I did it not to win the trial, not even to claim the scriptures. I did it to help with fear because I was afraid. If this man won that court case, I was sure he could be awarded all of my merchandise, everything I had, and put me out of business. The scriptures comforted me and helped me to have faith in God and gave me strength. And I played them every night, all night. And if I was afraid during the day, God would remind me of one of those scriptures. And I would focus on that scripture. And then I wasn't afraid any longer. God will keep us in perfect peace when our mind is stayed on him, on that which he has given us, because we trust in him. That, I believe, is in Isaiah chapter 26, somewhere around verse 3, 4. Thou wilt be kept in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him, on God. That's what I was doing, staying my mind on God because it was very scary. One of the things that happened to me as a result of taking the action to dismiss the lawyers is this. I went forward with a very strong understanding that I didn't want the money and possessions that I had to come from other humans. I wanted them to come from God, just like Abraham did. Looking again at what Abraham said in Genesis 14, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the Possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou should say, I have made Abraham rich. I wanted my possessions to come from God, like Abraham did. And I set my mind that way. To even to today, which is 45 years after this event happened, when I see somebody winning the lottery, I think how terrible that is. How terrible to have your possessions come from man. I want my possessions to come from God. And to this day, that's in my heart. That doesn't mean you want that you don't take a secular job. You have to support yourself and your family. So, of course you take a secular job unless you have some other means of income. But in your heart is the concept of praying that God would give you the job you should take and that you would take that job and it is through God that the money comes through God because you have Set yourself to be in God's way. During this time that that man sued me, as I was waiting for the court trial, I was meditating constantly in the scriptures which God had given me. Because God had taught me along the way to do Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So even before this court trial came up, I had been meditating in individual scriptures that were called to my mind by the Holy Spirit. I knew the same instruction that God gave to Joshua applied to us in the New Testament church. 
Also, I knew Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he doth meditate day and night. And that was what I had been doing. And my delight was in the scriptures that were brought to my attention by the Holy Spirit. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And I believe that. I still believe it. It has, for 40 years I've been living this, these two scriptures. I've never had them fail. Now this, we go back to the statement at the beginning of this podcast. What must you do to work the works of God? Jesus says, you believe on the word that is given you. That is the work of God. When you believe on that scripture, you're believing on Jesus, for Jesus is the word, and the word was there with God from the beginning, John chapter 1. Every time I see the name Jesus, to me, I translate it the word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thomas had said to him, we don't know where you go. And he said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's in John 14 I believe verse 6. Well, when he says, I am the way, Jesus says, I am the way. That means the word is the way because Jesus is the word. So the word is the way for us to go. It's the truth. It's the life. And without the word, we have no life. And without eating and drinking the word, meaning doing the scriptures that are brought to us by the Holy Spirit, For every time we do a scripture that God shows us, we are recreated in the image of Christ. So from the beginning of the time we're born again, as long as God leaves us on this earth, we are eating and drinking the word of God by doing the scriptures that are brought to our mind by the Holy Spirit. I have no greater delight than that. That is the most exciting thing when God brings you his word, which could be a scripture or it could be a thought, such as in the trial when God showed me, don't testify. That was exciting. There's nothing as exciting as the word of God that is brought to us by the Holy Spirit who searches the heart of God to know the will of God for us, to show us the will of God. That's more exciting than anything I've ever seen or done. And I love it. And it's happened to me over and over and over for the past 40 some odd years. In that lawsuit filed by that man, his lawyers called me one day, six days before we were scheduled to go to trial. This man's lawyers called me and they said, we're calling you because you don't have a lawyer. And we need to tell you that this man dropped all charges against you. It was over. The lawyer said, we tried to get him not to file a lawsuit against you, but he wouldn't listen to us. He was like a madman. That was what this man's own lawyer said. He was like a madman. But during these events, God taught me a lot about having faith in him and in his word and how his word is given by the Holy Spirit and how to overcome through him and his word when it is brought to us. But first, you've got to hear the word. You can't force it. 
You don't hunt a scripture to stand on. You depend on God. I was in the faith movement for several years. It is not that you decide what you're going to do and find a scripture to justify what you're going to do and claim that scripture and stand on that scripture. That is not the way you go. What you do is this. You turn to God in prayer and say, help me, I'm frightened. And you depend on God to help you in whichever way he chooses. In other words, you're not being your own God by searching the scriptures to be your own God and make up your mind on what you're going to do. You learn to trust in God. I would not want to have to be on this earth and figure out what I was going to do. It would be terrifying. Instead, I turned to God and pray about the situation, and I wait until I'm sure I've heard from God, whether it's a concept brought to me by the Holy Spirit or whether it is a scripture brought to me by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We're not trying to be our own God. And that is the main problem with the faith movement. And that is Antichrist because they sit in the temple of God showing themselves to be God. I'm going to do another recording on the subject of the faith movement, um, so watch for that. But Antichrist is not just the faith movement. Antichrist is any church group that denies any portion of the New Testament Bible and sets up another doctrine contrary to the New Testament Bible. That is the Antichrist. Antichrist means opposite to Christ, opposite to the Word. They set up a doctrine that's opposite to the Word. For example, Matthew 5, 32, Jesus said, Whosoever marrieth her that is divorced committeth adultery. He's saying the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That is not what the churches are teaching today. But that's what Jesus said in the New Testament Bible. So they explain away that doctrine and set up another doctrine which allows a man to marry a divorced woman. That is Antichrist. So churches all over are opening doors to Antichrist by changing portions of Scripture. I've done recordings on this subject many times. But the main problem in the faith movement is you are taught, you're not taught to seek the will of God. I never once heard anybody say, turn to God and seek the will of God. I attended a faith movement church from approximately 1978 through 1982 and never once did anyone mention the will of God. They told you to look in the Bible and find a scripture which enabled you to get what it was that you wanted. And that's the main flaw in the faith movement and what they're teaching. They're teaching you to be your own God rather than to turn to God. And they're doing it through Scripture, so it seems like it's spiritual. I didn't even see anything wrong with it the years that I was there. God gave me a dream to get me to come out of that church, and then God taught me these things. Again, I'll put that on that podcast of the faith movement of a few days from now. From the time I was born again until now, I was born again in 1975, until now, there have been so many times that God has shown me what to do by bringing to my mind from the Holy Spirit who lives in me and the Holy Spirit lives in you if you belong to God. Because at the moment we believe in God, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit 
and proof that the Holy Spirit lives in each believer, you can find that by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. The Apostle Paul says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? We are the church. It's not the building that a person goes to that's the church. We are the church. We are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. You can also see that by looking at uh, 1 Corinthians 6. It's somewhere around 19, 20, somewhere about that. But this one scripture tells us the truth, and that other scripture just tells us the same thing, confirming the truth. Scripture compares scripture with scripture. Let no man deceive himself. If any of you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. 1 Corinthians 3 Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? One time, when I lived in Lubbock, Texas, I went to a Texas Tech Museum luncheon. We were directly across from First Methodist Church building. At the table where I was seated, a woman pointed to that church building and said, that's our church. She proudly pointed to the building and said, that's our church. And I said, we are the church. And she said, I'm not a church. That's the church. And she, she was very angry with me. And she said to the people sitting at the table, she says, we are the church. Well, this woman most likely wasn't the church, but I was. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? There are quite a few other examples that I can present concerning problem arising and the Holy Spirit rising up in me. I think what I'll do is stop this recording for today, and then tomorrow I will continue with this subject and let you hear the rest of this. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.